Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. with another episode of the Breakout Football Podcast, and we're doing some new things today. As always, Cole and I will start off with our weekly superlatives, and then we'll throw five players at each other and dish a take on each one. But then we got a fun new segment, and we're delivering it in a new way. Cole and I will give each other six players rapid fire, and we'll have to give a thumbs up or thumbs down with a brief explanation on whether we want that player on our roster or not. All the hard-hitting analysis coming right at you faster and better than ever. I really can't wait for that one. Then, of course, we'll finish out with our all your questions. We're answering them all from all across the social media verse. Normally, we get a bunch of fantasy questions, but I don't know if you saw, Cole. We got one really darn good question about the playoffs. So naturally, if you want to hear our first playoff predictions and stick around till the end, you will definitely hate them. But hopefully you'll love everything else we're doing ahead of week 11, all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network with the cool and savvy Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. If you like what you hear, feel free to follow us. We got social media where we're cool. We're hip like that. He's at ham analysis. I'm at Zach Cohen FB. Feel free to contact us, reach out with any questions, quips, criticisms you have. We'll all take it. Or you can rate the show on whatever platform you're listening and drop a review. Those are always fun. So with that, why don't we get straight into some news? Not, not anything crazy. Definitely not as crazy as the last few weeks. Just a couple injury things to, to clear up. Aaron Jones, he'll miss one to two weeks. AJ Dillon, yay, nay. Is, he, is it time? I think it's time. Dude, I think it is time. And I think, was it last week where I brought up AJ Dillon during 10 takes and was like, what is his purpose in Green Bay? Because it just Mm -hmm. didn't seem like AJ Dillon was getting a lot of love, a lot of carries. And then I guess he's there for this reason, right? When Aaron Jones is banged up, needs to take a rest, and Dillon needs to come in and and save the day and, and be the backfield savior. And that's exactly what he will be. It's, it's like uh, I saw something on Twitter. Someone tweeted out like AJ Dillon is the Hulk, but like when Aaron Jones is starting, he's Bruce Banner, but now he's actually the Hulk. You can unleash the beast that is AJ Dillon. So he'll definitely be a, he's a must start this week. hundred percent. We'll talk a little bit about him later on. Uh, other news, Cordell Patterson, he may miss Thursday night football, which on the surface may open the door for Mike Davis, but now it might be Wayne Goleman time. Is there, Wayne is there Goleman to, season. Yeah, he's back. I feel like he always creeps his way into fantasy relevancy, even if it is just for like a couple weeks, you know? Yeah, I don't know about this like Falcons backfield and especially like Wayne Goleman always. Yeah, like you're right. He always seems to find like a one or one or two games per season where he has a pop off game. Right. And he and he makes you keep coming back to him. But Cordell Patterson's interesting because. Uh, you know, obviously he's having this great start to the season, this like resurgence at 30 years old. This might be the game where like it finally falls off the tracks. And, you know, Mike Davis, maybe he, he has an insane game on Thursday night football and starts to command a bigger workload. And it could disrupt the entire, you know, perfect season Patterson is having um, as probably the number one waiver wire pickup of the year. That got me thinking too, like, who is the waiver wire pickup of the year? It has to clearly be Patterson, but outside of that, is there really anyone else? I feel like there's normally a few candidates, but who really has been the best waiver pickup of the year outside of Patterson? That's a good question. I mean, usually it's a running back. Like I remember <laughs> a few years ago, like it was Devonte Freeman, Jay Jai, and like it, it was just like week one, someone had a great performance someone picked him up off the waiver wire mm-hmm. and then rode that exactly. guy to the playoffs and maybe the championship. And it's kind of a similar situation with Cordell Patterson. We didn't really expect this blow up 
I mean, how could you see it coming? And especially the way the Falcons are using him create creatively as, as a receiver, but also as, as their primary rusher. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think he really has any competition. Like maybe Elijah Mitchell, but like he also missed a few weeks. He hasn't been nearly exactly. as good wide receivers off the top of my head. Uh, I got no one, like maybe someone breaks out down the stretch, who knows? And when it happens, we'll talk about it. But for right now, why don't we dive into the weekly superlatives we got to kick things off as always. Everyone knows the drill at this point. We each got two weekly superlatives highlighting something that stood out from week 10 and how it can matter to you moving forward. So what you got for us? Yeah, I got Trevor Simeon. And this isn't a sexy oh. play by any means. Because honestly, Simeon, he just hasn't been terrific for the Saints, but he has been commendable, right? He has thrown five touchdowns against zero interceptions. And when you consider just like the the quarterback position for the Saints, it's kind of having an identity crisis right now. Like in the wake of Drew Brees, you throw Jameis Winston out there, you throw Taysom Hill out there, and it's you're trying to get something to click on offense. And with Michael Thomas out, pass catching, in New Orleans is suffering. And Simeon has done a great job of facilitating that. And I don't think, I think he's the starter for the foreseeable future, which means New Orleans weapons might actually be fantasy relevant. So that's something to track and, and you know, monitor moving forward because Marquez Callaway was one of my favorite sleepers ahead of the 2021 fantasy season. And he enjoyed a nice performance under Simeon. And if, if Simeon keeps playing, you know, not lights out, but at, at least the way that he's the trajectory he's going on, then I think we should we should see some some fantasy relevance from those Saints wide receivers. Yeah, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, they've all been producing uh, pretty well, too. So look at that. Trevor Simeon, a, a nice little sleeper around the back half. It's funny because my superlative is not only about a sleeper, but it also Jumps on the S alliterations. We love our alliterations here on the show. Uh, sneaky sleeper, Marcus Johnson. And you may be thinking, who the heck is that? Well, I'll tell you who he is. He was the Titans' leading wideout for week 10. He had seen more than five targets just twice all season. Heck, he hadn't even been active for every game, but he stepped up big time with Julio Jones on IR. He only ran a few more routes than Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Chester Rogers, but he and AJ Brown were clearly Tennessee's top two receivers. Yet it was Johnson who led the team's receivers with 22% of a target share. If anyone's going to fill Jones's role for the next two to three weeks, it may be Johnson. He's a solid addition in deeper leagues and Albeit he's a true flyer in regular leagues, but it kind of caught a glimpse of something that could be sustainable while Jones is recovering on IR. And of course, there's no telling how much more game time Jones may actually miss. Don't expect like 15 points every week with no touchdown, but I I like him. I like him. He's a sneaky sleeper. That that's that's my that's my sneaky sleeper for the next couple of weeks, especially if you play daily fantasy, he could be a pretty good value. Yeah. I was really surprised and even more at myself because when I really thought about it, I was like, okay, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, leading receivers on the ten on, on the Tennessee Titans had never even contemplated the depth behind them. There's none. It's just like a <laughs> I, bunch I, of I guys. Just, I was like, who's going to fill in for Julio? I drew a blank. I had no clue, and it ended up being Marcus Johnson, and he made it onto the list this week. Yeah, he just always finds a way to, like, make it on teams. He's with the Eagles and the Colts for a bit, and now here he is in Tennessee making a name for himself. Let's keep the ball rolling. You got another superlative to talk about. Let's hear it. Yeah, I didn't even try to get fancy with this one. This was just <laughs> the most Brian Edwards stat line ever. <laughs> Three catches, 88 yards and a touchdown and you know every single one of those catches was like an atomic bomb went off in the fantasy atmosphere right because on that touchdown car like zipped the ball into triple coverage over the middle he's averaging nearly 30 yards per reception that game i mean i mean what more could you ask from brian edwards i don't expect this to be a consistent you know, him to be like that consistent moving forward or just have like be that efficient as well but, I mean, who knows? Maybe Brian, Brian Edwards will get back on my good side one of these days. 
Seems like he's got a lot of good sides to get back on. He's just always this player who has all this potential. He was so good at South Carolina too. And then he hurt his leg. I believe it was an ACL and MCL injury. I'm going to have to double check that, but he looked so promising then to be drafted in the third round. Everyone was like, okay, he could be the guy in Vegas. Then the Henry Ruggs things happened this year and like, okay, maybe he can be the guy again. And Every now and then you get something like this, like you said, an atomic bomb in the fantasy community. Speaking of atomic bombs, there has uh, there was another one up in Detroit, or I guess technically Pittsburgh Uh-oh. this weekend. TJ Hawkinson, he just dropped a fat donut. So my superlative is, that, is... This is why you don't don't draft tight ends that high. Well, let's hold on. I don't think there's <laughs> reason to panic because my superlative is the don't panic button. Yeah, Hawkinson saw one target. That is... Not good, especially for a tight end that was drafted among the first six at the position. But I'm not too worried. The Steelers' defense just shut him down in a painful game. My gosh. Uh, side note here: the last time that uh, two, the first time that two teams ever tied was 16 to 16. Shout out Scorigami was in 1938, and these two teams played like they were in 1938. That's just how <laughs> bad it was. And Hawkinson really wasn't a beneficiary of it by any means, but he still played 67 of their 71 snaps. It was the most on the team. He also ran 23 routes, which was tied for the second most on the team. I just think Jared Goff couldn't get him the ball. Uh, And I know that might be something that can happen more often than not, but he's still been the security blanket. He's still the top weapon in Detroit, as good as DeAndre Swift has been catching the ball. Hawkinson is the overall tight end five. The bottom line is his upside is way greater than most other tight ends. Yeah, bad game. Happens. May not happen to a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller. But Hawkinson's not there yet, but he's still a player who I'm totally fine with having in my starting lineup every single week. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the Steelers just didn't provide a a blueprint for the rest of the league to cover Hawkinson because otherwise, Zach, you might be uh, out of luck of, of a fantasy playoff run. I don't know. I picked up Dan Arnold and Hey, he's a, he's a guy who should be starting. I may start him this week over Hawkinson. I'm, I make it crazy. There's, there's a lot of wild decisions to be made this week. Oh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I picked up Arnold in one league too. Pleasantly surprised so far. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> I, I refrain from talking about him in our next segment, just because I feel like I've talked about him like every podcast so far, <laughs> and I wanted to branch out a bit. So why don't we get into our 10 takes? Normally when we have a guest, which is tends to be every other week at this point, uh, we'll give them all the players, but no, just us two today. So I have five players for you. You have five players for me. You want your first player first, or should I go first and dish out a take first? A lot of firsts. Uh, yeah, you can ask me about my first player. All right. Well, what is your take on the current quarterback eight in fantasy football, Ryan Tannehill? So, so here's the thing with Tannehill. Like quarterback eight is a great number, right? And it's, it's great to convince your league mates that the Titans are actually doing something, passing the ball. <laughs> but in reality, you see Tannehill's stats – and he's only passed or he's only passed for t- over 21 PPR points twice this season. And like, that's his maximum. I think it's like 21.5 and 21.3. And it was three weeks ago and week three, though, like those were the numbers, everything, everything like aside from those two games has been lower. And so even though Derrick Henry was injured, it doesn't really seem like, like Tannehill is, is, has really picked up the game passing the football. And I think that concerns me that we're not seeing these elite fantasy numbers from Tannehill. So, I mean, if I think, I just think your, your backup is probably a better option because I, I think the Titans are going to get, are going to get figured out in this passing game. And as much as you like Marcus Johnson, (laughs) and as much as I like AJ Brown during the, like the second half of the season, I just don't think the juice, there's enough juice there. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you, you kind of got to look at how he's been putting up those points, and it really hasn't been on par with what, like, a quarterback eight should be. He's just kind of had, like, average performances across the board, but a lot of inconsistency with some of the top quarterbacks maybe makes him currently the quarterback eight. But I'm not – he's not someone that I think should really be 
a must start every week, but I think more often than not, I'll, I'll, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be fine with having him in my starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're sending your backup out there was a little bit harsh. Uh, uh, no, no, be harsh, be harsh. Come on. I, I just wish the, the Titans would show some life in the passing game and, and maybe Marcus Johnson will, will provide that life. But uh, like, man, like AJ Brown, just, it, it seems like he, it, it's a struggle for him to get going every single week. That's the, that is the life of playing a Tennessee Titan. That is not Derrick Henry in fantasy. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop rambling and ask you about Derek Carr, who's post mm. two weeks from the Henry Ruggs incident. He's had two weeks on, on like a revamped offense. What's your take on that? Well, he's had a quarterback one finish in five of the last nine games, and only five other quarterbacks have had more QB1 games than him. And he was the quarterback 13 one week as well. So he's basically really only had three bad games. He's only had two games without interceptions. Uh, on the flip side, he's only had two games with less than two touchdowns. But he's also fourth in passing yards. He's averaging over 314 passing yards a game. And of the remaining seven games Carr has left, not including week 18, of course, the five opponents the Raiders are scheduled to face are currently bottom five in fantasy points allowed or FPA to quarterbacks. The other two are top 10, so he might not be a must start every week. But my point is, He's been sneakily productive, and he may keep that up based on his remaining schedule. He is the second easiest string of opponents for quarterbacks coming up. So, yeah, I would think Derek Carr is someone who can start most weeks for you, and he's probably someone's backup if you do need a quarterback anyway. So here am I saying maybe look into trading for Derek Carr, and if he's on your team already, consider starting him most weeks. Yeah, if he's just collecting dust on someone's bench, you might as well like send like a little low ball offer and and see if you can draw him away from that from that opponent. Which is why it's also so important to have backup quarterbacks because not only may you lose your starter, but they could be good trade bait for someone who loses theirs. Talk about some quarterbacks keeping the ball rolling on BFP. I got a player for you. And I want to know your thoughts. We kind of touched on them already, but give me the the full rundown, the full executive summary on AJ Dillon. Anything else to add about what we already talked about? Yeah, I mean, we we did talk about him earlier in the podcast, so I think I'll make it short and sweet. This guy's a running back one until Aaron Jones comes back. Just because of his usage, he'll be using a similar fashion. He'll be using the passing game. Just the way the Packers' offense is structured, it's it's based around the run game, and then that exploiting the pass game, right? And so A.J. Dillon is going to be a consistent option during Jones's absence. You can lock it in for running back one every single week. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, we've seen him get some receiving work. I think he's kind of pegged as this big bulldozer Derrick Henry type of player, which, like, he kind of is, but he's not on that par, obviously. Yet he can still catch passes, so that there is some – room for him to see a bit more work than normal he's my running back start of the week on the draft network in my start sick column which you can find on the draftnetwork.com. shameless plug right there uh, so yeah I'm, I'm totally with you we're riding the aj dylan train till the wheels fall off or they get benched again yeah for sure we just need to stop like putting running backs in boxes because mm-hmm. it kind of seems like all these backs coming out of college just can do it all they just have the entire toolbox at their disposal so i mean if if aj Dillon needs to go out there on third down and catch passes then i feel like the packers will be confident in that yeah they spent a second round pick on him they better be damn confident in it (laughs) so david montgomery Mm. return from injury bears offense looks like it's clicking under justin fields what do you expect from him for the rest of the season Well, let's kind of take a step back with Montgomery because he was balling to start the season. And I think a lot of people kind of in their minds right now hold him on that pedestal where he left off because through the first four games, he was RB 11. He missed a month of game time following like a 20 point performance. And he comes back, puts up 10 points to Pittsburgh, who is top three in FPA to running backs. So he did that in a very tough matchup. But let's also keep in mind here, in his first game back, not only did he literally own the Bears' backfield, (laughs) he saw the most snaps among all running backs in the league. He was on the field for more than 85% of the time. No other running back 
could say that. And they're just coming off a bye right now, so he didn't get to play this last week. But I think that's something we can expect going forward. His matchups for the rest of the season, they, they really aren't that bad. The only team he faces in the top 10 in FPA is Arizona in week 13. Montgomery is someone I definitely want on my roster. And dare I say, you may be able to buy him a bit low right now. Yeah, I mean, especially like the, the production hasn't been there for uh, during his injury period, obviously by week, maybe people are getting impatient, especially with trade deadlines coming up in fantasy leagues. You might be able to get a low ball offer out there and just, just send it out. See what happens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's no harm. I always say you got to poke around, see what you can find, make some trades or send a battle and whatever you send something and got to get the ball rolling somehow. One player finally got the ball rolling this weekend much to the excitement see this is where if i had the fireworks like or uh like like some sort of sounds i'll be playing fireworks like right now because hallelujah jacoby myers found the end zone baby finally first time in his career what's his fantasy outlook for the rest of the season yeah i mean i wrote jacoby myers but i mean honestly i find myself talking more about mac jones because jones has been has has looked comfortable and like heading into the second half of, of the season, like he's finding the tight ends. He's finally getting the ball to Jacoby Myers in the end zone. Kendrick Bourne has been a reliable security blanket for him as well. So I think like Jacoby Myers is only going to benefit from that poise from, from Mac Jones. And like, it, it's, it was finally good to see him get in the end zone. He was so excited. And he like even just dove across the end zone, like a yard before he was there just to ensure that he was in. So, um, I mean, yeah, like the Patriots, they're, they're always going to be an enigma, but I think we're going to see some more consistency in, at least in the passing game through the air moving forward. Mm-hmm. With the way Jones has been playing, he's not like electric. He, he's not like the the flashiest player. He just kind of gets the job he, done. Yeah, gets the job done. If that isn't the most Patriots thing ever, then I don't know what is. I don't know. So we'll, we'll keep the ball rolling here. Well, what's the next player you got for me? Yeah, week 11, running back depth is at a premium. Dante Foreman, what can he do for fantasy owners this late in the season? I am so happy that Foreman has kind of broken out a little bit because I was such a big fan of him at Texas. And then he was at Houston. He had some problems and he tore his ACL and it just kind of looked like his career would be over. But no, here he is in Tennessee leading the team in carries. And I once again preface this by saying, Do not expect the Titans to replace Derrick Henry. It just won't happen. Uh, There is a reason I had all Titans running backs as my weekly sit of the week last week. However, I did pinpoint Foreman as the best back on the roster. Did I say Freeman or did I say Foreman? I feel like I might have said Freeman, but I think you get the point. I think you said Foreman. All right, great. Good, good. Just double checking here. Uh, (laughs) Because it seems like that if you are going to forget about him, someone who's not going to forget about him has been Mike Vrabel and that whole coaching staff. Foreman's led Tennessee in carries and snaps since Henry's been down. He ran a bit fewer routes than Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols, but none of them should be coveted for their receiving work. Now there's news that McNichols as missing practices with a concussion. He may not play this week. At this point, Foreman's the only running back on this backfield who I'd take a flyer on, especially with Houston on deck in week 11. He is nowhere near Derrick Henry's upside obviously, but his usage and his production is trending in the right direction. Deontay Foreman, someone who should not be on waivers and maybe just maybe should not be on your bench this week. Yeah. Foreman just arrow pointed up in that, like you said, the Houston matchup is so freaking juicy for running backs. Oh man. It is glorious. 32nd. 32nd, dead last in fantasy points allowed. We've been talking a lot of positivity, and that's always great here. But unless you have some unseen positivity to spare about Terry McLaurin, and I have a feeling fantasy managers of Scary Terry are not going to be happy with what you want to say about him. What's your take on Terry? We'll give an ultimatum later in the podcast, but I just want to preface this by... 
McLaurin, great target share in Washington. He, you know he's going to get usage, wide receiver one, alpha receiver in that offense. But without Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, with Taylor Heineke throwing him the football, he is just not a consistent option that you can rely on. And so I just think he's purely going to be matchup-based throughout the rest of the season because aside from like a few blow-up games, he's, he's getting pedestrian numbers like across the board over the last five weeks. He, he had one 25-point bomb against Green Bay. But aside from that, 8.6 in week five, 6.8 in week six, and then week eight, six, another 6.5. Wait, what did I say? Yeah, 8.6 in week yeah. five, 6.8 <laughs> in week six, six and a half in week eight, and 11.9 in week 10. Like, that's just numbers that your wide receiver three should be, should be hauling in on a, on a weekly basis. And Taylor Heineke, no disrespect to him, but he's just not the beard, right? He ain't it. He ain't it. A lot, a lot of numbers there, but the bottom line the is it's just not working out. We'll have a little bit more on Scary Terry, or I guess not so Scary Terry anymore, um, as we only got a couple more players left in our 10 takes before we get to a very interesting segment. So why don't we keep the ball rolling? I keep saying that. I'm sorry. I'm going to ban that from my vocabulary, but you get the idea. Let's let's keep the ball rolling. God damn it. Did it. So Hollywood Brown has 39 targets over the last three weeks, but Rashad Bateman, ever since he came back from injury, has been slightly cutting into that workload. Um, are you are you sold on him as a as a big part of the Ravens' passing attack, like headed in headed into the second stretch of the season? Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rashad. All Bateman. in, huh? All in. I loved that selection prior uh, to the draft. The selection happened. Still loved it. Call him Mr. Chain Mover because all he does is get first downs. Uh, before the Miami game, all of his receptions were for first downs, which was incredible. That's a great and then they go and play the Dolphins. Somehow the Ravens lose. Uh, but Bateman put up his best game. He put up a career high 14 points. It was also his second straight game with eight targets. He's yet to score, which adds to his upside. But in his four games, he's third on the team in targets that may not seem like anything crazy but the next man up is Devonte freeman with 12 targets bateman nearly tripled that in that span lamar is only throwing to brown andrews and bateman right now guys like those are the three pass catchers in baltimore in addition don't have any really tough matchups for the rest of the season bateman is someone i'd 100 consider starting he just has a a, a nice consistent floor we've yet to really see a ceiling but something tells me based on his production as of late it's trending in the right direction yeah you just got to get him situated coming back from injury but yeah like you said like he's got a clock above his head counting down the time that it, it takes for him to get into the end zone and that's probably going to be sooner rather than later hey i mean you look at what Jacoby myers had to endure when like more than three years Without a professional <laughs> NFL touchdown. Yeah, there's no reason it should take Bateman that long to find Pater. He's he's so much better. First round pick. Come on. Come on. Couple tight ends here for you. Give oh, me my your favorite segment. take on Dawson Knox. <laughs> the tight ends continue to drive a wedge between us, but we'll see if we can agree on something with Knox. Yeah, so he's the top 15 tight end. Not saying much. Because it seems like a tight end can catch a touchdown in a game and, and rank in the top 15. But Knox is kind of an enigma because for as much as like the Bills aired out, he's only caught 22 balls on the season. Every tight end around him has caught at least 30 balls and recorded 40 plus targets. So I don't know if, if that's just a testament to Knox's efficiency, if that's, you know, a testament to his potential as an, an elite tight end option in the Bills offense. But I think it's something to monitor in the in the weeks moving forward, especially if, you know, you're still trying to lock down your tight end position like I am this late <laughs> in, in the season. So, I mean, I'm taking a hard look at Knox. Not enough for me to, you know, send him out there in my lineup every single week, uh, like ahead of, I don't know, maybe Tyler Higby. But Dawson Knox is, is interesting because it seems like he's touchdown dependent. 
but his potential has so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like he definitely still has the touchdown dependent label, but again, he was also missed a few games. He came back, did absolutely nothing despite seeing consistent playing time with where we've seen from him so far. So there's definitely upside for that. I will say, if you do need a tight end, there are other options. How about Tyler Conklin? Zach. Ah, ah, you don't say. I've kind of been on Conklin's uh I've been banging the table for Conklin for a little bit now. During the off season when I hopped on the TDN fantasy live show, I said, guys, you're looking at Irv Smith right now, and you should be looking at Tyler Conklin. And he just popped off with two touchdowns and 16.1 fantasy points. But prior to that big multi-touchdown performance, Conklin had averaged roughly 10 points over the previous three games. That is beautiful. He just hadn't scored, and then he scored. Look what he can do. In fact, Conklin only had one score all season, but he's been seeing five to seven targets in each of the last four games, thus giving him a solid enough floor to start. I would 100% consider starting him. And his upcoming opponent, Green Bay, has allowed a range of roughly 9 to 18 points in each of the last four games. That adds to Conklin's viability as a weekly starter, though admittedly, he does have some risk, but for someone like you, my good friend Cole, my anti-tight end friend yep. Cole, if you are looking for someone to help you nail down the tight end position and Conklin is still somehow there, or maybe you can get him through a trade, I think you should get on that ASAP. I'm taking notes right now, and the grass <laughs> is always greener when the tight end finds the answer, right? Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yep, exactly. Well, those were our 10 takes here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Zach Cohen with Cole Topham. We're getting into a fun new segment. This one is awesome. Cole, why don't you tell us exactly what it is? Because it was your idea. Because, And I know a lot of people are trying to look for some trades right now. So we'll get into that all right here. But tell the people, what, what the hell are we about to do? So we're, we have six players each to talk about, um, at least to bring to the table. And these are going to be bold predictions for the uh, rest of the season, um, but also trade targets, right, that you might be, you, you might be looking to, to send lowball offers or maybe get on your roster. But anyway, we're going to bring each player up to the table, or should I say into the Coliseum, because we are doing this gladiator style. Zach and I, before we in, engage in conversation over each player, are going to hold our thumb up to the video camera, in which obviously you can't see in podcast format, but we are going to hold our camera, our, our thumb like so, and bring it up or down during each, uh, during, before each, before we talk about each player, right? And of course, we'll have to put our play-by-play hats on and yep. tell you, because again, you can't see our thumbs. Not missing anything though. It's pretty easy to say whether thumbs up or thumb down. Yeah, no, I mean it's we'll we'll just put our we'll just be Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels for this episode, right? So the, the first player I'm bringing to the table, Zach, is Joe Burrow. All right. So I think what we should do is why don't you give me all your players? Give me all the players you have for me, and we'll go rapid fire, and I'll knock some thoughts out about them. Thumbs up or thumbs down, because my thumb is my thumb's ready. I'm ready to go. So let's let's do it. Rapid fire. You say Joe Burrow, thumbs up. I'm fine with them. Like take out two bad games this year. He's averaging 20.9 points. I don't think he finishes as a quarterback one. I'll say that's my prediction, but I think he's someone you could definitely start each week. Let's yep. keep going, baby. Joe Burrow, quarterback one days are over at least for uh, 2020. For me, um, Steelers, 49ers, Broncos, Browns, you can miss me with that. And as well as a duel against Patrick Mahomes, I guess this is a thumbs down. I'm going to disagree with you here, Zach. All right. Fair enough. Who's your next player? Um, I got Melvin Gordon. Eh, Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Oh, we disagree. We disagree. Why do you not want Melvin Gordon? Or why do you want Melvin Gordon? Well, Melvin Gordon, he's running back 15, and that's him splitting the backfield pretty much down the middle with Javante Williams. Only thing is, Gordon's been more productive, and it seems like the Broncos are just kind of in like this weird period where they're not really making any adjustments. They're just kind of, you know, gritting their teeth and riding out the rest of the season. And they're basically haven't made any changes to their backfield or their usage of their running backs. 
Gordon's just been more productive with the carries that he's been given. Um, he sees more work in the receiving game. And so him being running back 15 on the season is, is quite commendable, I'd say, um, for just like that, that vanilla workload, I guess. It's interesting because I agree with everything, and I've been on that stance for as long as I probably can remember it because I was always like, hey, Javante Williams is there, but he's not going to be the guy to take over. But I think – the game in week 10 kind of changed my mind a little bit. And he's someone like, if I want, if I have him on my team, I don't know. I think they're going to start trying to ride the hot hand. I know it was one game and I'm not typically swayed by one game, but if I have Melvin Gordon on my team, I want him off. And I think so should you. All right. So we've disagreed on both players so far. Can we agree on this next player? Maybe. So Michael quarter. One, two, Eddie. three. The wow. We disagree again. No. My thumbs up. Cole's thumb is down. I I don't I love Michael Carter. I mean, we've seen the upside. He owns the Jets' backfield. He's even seen more targets than Ty Johnson too. I think he's going to continue to get the work, no matter who is back there, whether it's it's Joe Flacco or a reincarnation of Jimmy Clausen. I does not matter to me. I want Carter on my team. Yeah, I mean Carter. He gets the usage. He gets the passive work. He doesn't get the rushing yards though which is like, it, it makes me concerned because he, he'll, he'll get the carries and he'll, he'll get his due diligence. We'll see what happens with Joe Flacco at the helm. But I think he, he is only rushed for 40 yards like once this season, which is kind of concerning for me. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's keep it moving. I almost said let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep it moving. Uh, we still have not yet to agree on a player. Now, next we're, we're going to blitz through this. Uh, Tyler Lockett, three, two, one. Down. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, I just don't, don't think he returns to form. Like Russell Wilson, he was kind of he was kind of awful in his return, and uh, DK Metcalf seems to be the go-to option in this offense. Mm-hmm. Just Lockett just looks kind of off ever since ever since Wilson got injured. He hasn't been able to get his mojo back, and I just don't see that that happening anytime soon. And unless we have something from Pete Carroll where he's like, "Yeah, we're just gonna feed Tyler Lockett this week and use him in like a Debo Samuel type role." I don't know. I just, I just think defenses are, are just locking down Lockett this mm-hmm. locking down Lockett this year. Nice. Put that on a t-shirt. Uh, it, it breaks my heart that I don't want him because I've loved him since his Kansas state days. I would definitely try to trade him after he has another huge game. He's just been too inconsistent and more often than not, it, it's been a matchup killer on the part of your team, not being able to win. So yeah, where we're with you is, is a, is a fantasy football kryptonite for sure. Oh man, that was, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm writing that down. We're framing that quote. <laughs> Put it right here on my blank wall behind me. Yeah, Fair enough. All right. Last, or you got two more players left to bring into the more, table. Two more receivers. Uh, DJ Moore. Yay or nay? Three, two, one. Nay. Oh nay. man. Okay. okay you go your, first. Your take first. Okay. I, all right. I'll go first. Yeah, um, it also pays me to say, because I love him. He's, he's a good player, but he's had bad quarterback play and, is Cam Newton really an upgrade as a passer? Maybe, but is it enough to make more fantasy relevant again? I don't know, especially because we kind of figured Carolina is going to be running the ball a bit more with Cam. Like, it's not going to help more who's trying to catch more passes, trying to be better as a receiver when Cam Newton's just running every now and then. And again, it's not a bad thing for the Panthers, but it's a bad thing for people who have DJ Moore on your fantasy team. If you haven't traded him yet, it's time to get rid of him. See, that's where we differ. I think... I think a little homecoming for, for Carolina with bring back Cam Newton could be a good thing. I think DJ Moore, he could bounce back for a little second and a half surge. And I mean, the Panthers were already at rock bottom with, I mean, your, your starting running back was injured there for a while. Sam Darnold looked like he could be promising early in the season. And then that train quickly fell off the tracks. So I'm here for, for the, the Panthers throwing darts at the board and seeing what sticks. Fair enough. All right, last player before I unveil my batch of six gladiators, I guess. Uh, obviously, referencing the gladiator style we've done so far. Who's your final player? I've got Chris Godwin. So okay. three, two, one. There we go. Yes, sir. Thumbs up, baby. Thumbs yeah, up. He I'm, is. I'm so confident in Godwin for the rest of the season. I think he leads all receivers in PPR points over the final seven games. Whoa. Because Falcons, Saints, and Jets, had, he can run up the score on those teams. Wow. That he plays was a bold the Saints prediction. twice. That was bold. 
My, I'll take it. I love it. He He's just a good player, and Tampa Bay throws the ball enough to sustain a player like Godwin. And I do wonder how late in the season uh, Antonio Brown returns, if at all this season. And even then, if AB does get better, and again, nothing really indicates he'll be back anytime soon, he was still seeing enough targets with Godwin anyway, or Godwin was seeing enough targets with AB anyway. So I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So we only agreed on two of those. We both like we both like Chris Godwin. We both don't like Tyler Lockett, but we are split on Joe Burrow, Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, and DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that track record keeps it coming. My sixth batch of players kicking things off with a running back, Damian Harris. One, two, three. Mm, interesting. You, your thumb went up. My thumb went down. Why are you high on Harris for the rest of the season? Most just, I think this is just like a new look Patriots backfield. I, I know Harris is dealing with injuries, but if, it seems like when he's been out there, like he's been like the best player on the field for the Patriots. And, and <clears throat> he seems kind of like the bell cow that the Patriots have been missing for like a greater part of the last decade. I mean, you, but you get my point, right? Yeah. It, it looks like the, the Patriots finally have a consistent option back there behind Mac Jones and, and to, to help him and, and to be, to be a safety blanket, especially with James white out for, um, I mean, he's been out for a while, but he's, he's kind of slid in that role. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the Brandon Bolden experiment has been nice, but <laughs> Damian Harris is really the, the, the guy to receive the majority of the work there. It's not that I don't like Damian Harris. It's just like, I don't think he'll be consistent enough to be someone I want to start. And that, at that point, like, why would I keep you on the bench? I would look to trade Harris. Ramondre Stevenson looked pretty good. The Patriots backfield, man, it is a, it's a constant churning of, of who the hell knows. And that really can be said for anything the Patriots do, I guess. Obviously, they've been winning, so it's been for the better. It's been for the better. But Harris, I like him. If he was on my team, he'd be fine. But at the same time, I'd be like, I don't really need him at this point. Unless you're truly desperate in running backs, then maybe you can try to upgrade. Another running back. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. See, I didn't say it this time. Elijah Mitchell. One, two, three. Ah, there we go. Nice. I wasn't sure where that thumb was pointing. Why are you a fan of Mitchell? Just because I think, I mean, the 49ers have figured it out, right? I mean, Debo Samuel is always going to get his time at, at running back, but it seems like Mitchell has, has turned a new leaf, right? I mean, it, it, he's he's seemed to start out on kind of like a rough patch and especially like everyone was trying to get into Shanahan's brain, figuring out how he was going to, to use this offense um, and, and spe- specifically the backfield. But it, it kind of seems like Mitchell has locked up that role for good. Um, and I mean, it's, it's always nice to be the lead back in a Shanahan offense when you finally get that label. Well said, I, I got nothing else to add other than the fact that Mitchell might be out this week. So maybe go scoop up Jeff Wilson before it's too late. Although I really don't think you can trust many Niners backs, but Mitchell, we've seen him produce enough. It's a proven commodity, right? Yeah, 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 not too proven, but the upside is definitely there where it's like, I'll take him, I'll take him. Uh, another player, next player we got up, Jalen Waddle. Get the thumbs ready. One, two, three. I'm going to give two thumbs up for Jalen Waddle. Oh, I like that. I mean, he's just consistent, he's good. Is the upside really been reached yet? I don't think so. I think that more has to do with the Dolphins being too conservative on offense and really just being bad on offense, I guess, for lack of a better term. But Waddle is definitely someone I want on my team. You can expect like eight to 13 points each week, maybe, you know? Yeah, I mean, just the way they use him, quick hits, you know, slants, passing game, just get the ball in his hands, let him work. He's always going to get at least, you know, like between five or six catches and, and you know, uh, 60 receiving yards, maybe find the end zone. And that's consistency that you want on your fantasy roster. You want to know what you're getting from your players. And while Waddle has yet to reach his ceiling, which we'll we'll see in in the next following seasons, what his ceiling exactly can be, but it's a great base floor that you know that, that you're getting with Waddle. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons between Jalen Waddle and Jarvis Landry. Like the Dolphins are using Jalen Waddle. They used Jarvis Landry all those years. Waddle's been the receptions king, which kind of segues us into Jarvis Landry. Would you want him on your fantasy team? What's the outlook for the rest of his season? We'll get into that real quick. One, two, three. Bang. Bang. No. 
Both I, I just think that with Baker Mayfield, his knee injury, and also dealing with the shoulder issue, Odell's gone. Like there's just not a lot of hope for the for the Browns passing game, and so they're they're just going to ride the run for the rest of the season with with Chubb. I, I mean, that's pretty much it, really. Yeah. I, I I'm I don't really have any hope for Landry to just slide into that massive target share and, and eat up all that. I saw someone ask me on TikTok the other day, is Jarvis Landry a good buy low? And to that point, I'm like, not really, because what else can you expect from him? Like you expect him to get 14 targets a game like he used to. That that kind of offense, especially with the quarterback situation in Cleveland right now, that's not really on the table as often as you may think, if at all. There's just no need to have Jarvis Landry on your roster. If you have him, I don't think you should cut him yet. Like I don't think we're going that far. We're really talking about trades right now. But at some point, he could just be hogging a roster spot. All right. Next player, Gladiator style, running it through, Kyle Pitts. We're talking about some of your favorite tight ends here. So Kyle Pitts, one, two, three. Thumbs up across the board again. Again. It's just like he's talented. He's good. Yeah, I think he's kind of a buy low right now because we've seen what his upside can do. Is he a weekly start at this point? Not necessarily, but he's still more talented than basically almost every tight end. Like you light out all the tight ends right now. He would probably be in the top 12 tight ends of what I'd want on my team. And I think that's really all that matters. Like, yeah, if you need a tight end, a buy low tight end, go look at Pitts. Not a must trade for, but definitely someone like not bad to have on your roster. Yeah, your tight end strategy at this point should basically be which tight end this week is most likely to score and then send that tight end out there. But, I mean, Pitts is like the one gem on the Falcons roster. I mean, Cordell Patterson, nice. But, I mean, (laughs) Pitts is is a specimen. He's ideally going to be a fixture at at the position for for years to come. And you most likely want to want a part of that, especially if he can – if. just the way he matches up against defensive backs, man, mm-hmm. yeah. just towers over. He's a mismatch. He's a mismatch, and the Falcons should use him more is what I'm trying to say. Last player in this new gladiator-style uh, arena we've created, Noah Fant, one, two, three. We both knew it. We both yep. knew it. We, we, we both knew it was coming. Down. Thumbs yep. down across the board again. What do you think yeah. about him? <sighs> it just – not much to be excited for in Denver. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, he's, he's been good. He hasn't been great. And I think Fant, especially with Judy coming back, has seen a, a, a suffer, right? His, his passing numbers have suffered because of it. And I called this going in, I think a few episodes back, that Judy was, was going to vastly impact the receiving game. And I think Fant, his workload has, has taken the, the most hit. Mm-hmm. He's just not that good. Albert Okawebinum has been like kind of involved, like to the point where I'm like, okay. And Patrick's going to be there. Yup. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, not a lot of great mouths to feed, but enough to the point where I don't need Fant on my roster. So that was a great debut of that. I love that. We're definitely going to keep that style moving forward as we get into the final staple of the show. Fan Q&A. I promise you, unlike last week, I did not try to give you a... Give you a name you probably couldn't pronounce. They all seem like fairly easy names anyway. Well, we'll kick things off with this question from AJ Broxt, 2005. Who is a cheap wide receiver to trade for? Also adds, I have Pittman, AJ Brown, Lockett, Hopkins, and DJ Moore. So what do you think? I mean, looking at those, looking at those wide receivers, I'm kind of asking, like, do you, do you really need to, to trade for a, for a wide receiver? <laughs> um, I mean, we, we talked about Lockett. Um, I, I think AJ Brown and Hopkins are, are fine options, and I, I'm higher on DJ Moore, you know, m- more than you, Zach. But I, I think that's a solid wide receiver core. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a cheap wideout uh, around the league that is that is floating around. I've got a couple. I've got a couple. Go ahead. I, I'll, I'll I'll think about it. There's a good point because he says there's DJ Moore. Guys like DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Adam Thielen, to me, they're all candidates to sell. And it's easier to find guys I I think I would rather trade away than trade for. 
but some receivers I like for the rest of the season. Uh, Christian Kirk can have some value. He seems to be the clear wide receiver two in Arizona. Jalen Waddle has been pretty consistent. We just talked about him. He, he's a nice guy to have in your roster, a solid flex every week. Same thing can be said about another rookie, Rashad Bateman. I, I've been banging on the table for him for a while now. He could be more than just a consistent flex play every week. I also expect another rookie, Devontae Smith, to keep balling. Not only has he been the wide receiver one over the last two weeks, period, but Philly is the easiest upcoming schedule for wide receivers, and Smith is the clear wide receiver one for Jalen Hurts. So those are some like guys who aren't as big names as like the Adam Thielen's or the Mike Williams's of the world, but they're they're guys I would like to have on my team. And honestly, I think they're cheap enough where you don't have to pay a huge price for them. Yeah, and if you really want to scrape the bottom of the barrel, I think guy we talked about earlier in the podcast, Marquez Callaway, now that Simeon is starting with the Saints, might be worth, you know, sending out a, a little flyer on. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders, I, I'd say as well. Where he'll get consistent production with the Bills. Um, might find the end zone, and maybe that will turn, like, his fantasy production from um, steady into, into elite for a, a few weeks. But, I mean, I think Sanders is a, is a quality backup, and especially if, if you don't like – Lockett's matchup that week um, if you're not entirely sold on DJ Moore now that Cam Newton is under center then maybe those are options that you'd be you'd be willing to take a risk on yeah yep well said all right let's keep it going uh you want to take this next question sure this is from TikTok from Bennett Volick you were you were right these are easy names to pronounce got you I have AJ Brown Brandon Cooks DJ Moore and Waddle which two should I start it just hit me where that last name um, sounds familiar. I wonder if it's related to Billy Volick. You, you, do you remember him, the the Titans and Chargers quarterback for a bit? No, no, it no. Might, no. It might have been before your time, my friend. Well, anyway, speaking of the Titans, I guess, I'd probably go A.J. Brown in that situation. He seems like an easy choice. I know he just dropped a dud, but I can't expect that to happen every game just based on his heavy usage alone. Also has a juicy matchup versus Houston. Already kind of talked about why I'm not high on DJ Moore for the rest of the season, so he's out of that. Waddle, again, he has a chance to be a little more consistent, whereas Cooks has a higher ceiling but a lower floor. However, the Titans have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. I think in that scenario, I'd go Brown and Cooks, but I don't fault you for putting Waddle in over Cooks. I also think Waddle could just have a better rest of the season than Cooks. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely go Brown as my first wide receiver to start. Um, and I think I think we'll still put DJ Moore in the feeler period. So I'm with you on this second wide receiver decision between uh, Cooks and Waddle. I think I would lean Waddle just because uh, just that comfort- comfortability, knowing his floor and, and knowing what to expect on a weekly basis. You know, that guy's going to put up 10 plus points. He may not, you know, completely knock your socks off um, and, or, or he might, we'll, we'll see, but you know what to expect from Waddle. Yep. Fair enough. Next question from TikTok, Kael Berersi, I think I botched to that, but uh, you get the point. Knox, Schultz, or Conklin for rest of the season and playoffs, I'm tossing you up another tight end question. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I mean, I already, I already displayed my, my displeasure for, for Dawson Knox earlier. earlier. Um, and you've sung Conklin's praise, but I think Schultz is interesting because I think he was kind of an unforeseen name in the, in the Cowboys offense and he's been, he's been solid. And so I'm not sure if I, if I trust Conklin just yet. And I know Schultz is, is going to command a decent target share, um, for Dallas. So Mm -hmm. I think Schultz would be the more sturdy option for the rest of the season and, and headed in your playoffs. If you are sending him out there as your, as, as your tight end one every single week, mm-hmm. but Conklin's usage, the, at, at least as of late has been promising. Mm-hmm. I get the intrigue with Schultz, but Michael Gallup coming back and eating into that whole target share of Dak Prescott's passes. I don't really know if I'm buying into Schultz. He and Knox seem to be a bit too touchdown dependent for me. Like I've said, with earlier for Conklin he's just a, like consistent enough I'd probably go Conklin in that scenario 
All right. Once again, disagreeing on this podcast, but we, what we all it happens. Know, we, we love, we love a little opposition here. I feel like I, this is the first time we've ever really consistently throughout the show, like not taking the same stance on certain I know, it's, things. It's good. A little it's healthy nice. disagreement never hurt anyone. And it also benefits the listener, right? Two opposing viewpoints. And I also just noticed all four of these questions are from TikTok. Mm-hmm. Because we got a special one from Instagram coming up at the end. Some okay. uh, non-fantasy stuff that I had to get into. Yeah, I just have four four straight TikToks and then one one Instagram question. But this light this latest one from the talk is from Damian Santos. Why should I sit Terry McLaurin? And to that, Damian, I say, because Fitzpatrick is not throwing him the ball. That is true. And I think if you read my start sit column for the draft network, then you would know scary Terry isn't so scary anymore. He's still a talented player. He's just not someone I can trust in fantasy. And I'll explain why, if you'll allow me with a snippet of my column, actually, that you can find on my Twitter at Zach Cohen FB or at the draft network or at their website. But here we go. This is straight from my start sit column. It should be out now. The first and most obvious reason is that McLaurin is a liability on fantasy rosters. On the surface, 15.3 points per game is pretty solid, but that doesn't tell the full story. Since week five, McLaurin has eclipsed nine points just twice. He's also averaging 9.3 targets per game, which is all right, a step back from last season, yet he's only averaging 5.4 receptions. Clearly, Taylor Heineke isn't doing his receivers any favors since McLaurin is only credited with two drops this season. You, you can't be averaging four incompletions to one receiver every game when you only have two total drops. That's on the quarterback. Now, McLaurin did produce a couple of 10-point performances near the start of the season where he didn't find the end zone in. However, he is yet to consistently match his massive games while failing to score. In other words, if you start McLaurin, you're hoping he scores. A scoreless ceiling of 10 to 11 points isn't bad, but it's nothing to get too excited about, especially when it's only happened once. Meanwhile, faces Carolina this week. They've allowed just three touchdowns to wide receivers since week five. It all makes McLaurin a very risky start in week 11 and beyond. And scene. Yeah, McLaurin against Gilmore for mm. it. it begs for a long afternoon right and like you said about McLaurin he's averaging 15 points per game which it looks like a great stat by itself but then you realize over four of his last five games he's failed to eclipse 10 points and really a lot of that is is due to big blow-up performances earlier in the season and then like I said earlier that 125 point bomb versus Green Bay so really like his 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 those averages are being skewed by these these big performances and really you just want consistency from your wide receiver and right now Terry McLaurin he was drafted to be your team's wide receiver one maybe wide receiver two he's mostly competing for that wide receiver three flex spot at the moment exactly it's just not a good time for McLaurin love him but they got to get him a real quarterback they have to the last question on the draft hey huh Matt Corral in the draft, maybe? I like that. I like that. Malik Willis, maybe? Who knows? We'll get to that eventually. But for now, we end with a special request from Instagram, Hunter Champion with the A as a four. He reached out and asked if we could do the playoff predictor, which is like a, a website where you can, spoiler, predict the playoffs. And I totally did it. I totally did it. And I have it here. I would love to get your thoughts on what my playoffs would look like right now. Yeah, let's do it because I uh, I did not do the playoff predictor. So let's just mooch off your predictions. <laughs> Sounds good. I will admit, it seems like there's always a lot of bias when I make predictions about recency. There's also like the upsets. I tried to factor in a few of them every now and then, but I know these are going to be wrong regardless. And a lot of people will make fun of them for me about what my predictions are because they're going to be wrong. And I'm admitting it now. You're right. They suck but let's look at them for fun anyway. If anything, I think it kind of tells more about a team's remaining schedule. So Mm -hmm. AFC at one, you got the bills at two, the Titans three winning the AFC North, the 11, five and one Steelers at four winning the AFC West at 11 and six, the chargers. By the way, I have the Bills at 14 and 3 and the Titans at 12 and 5. At 6, sneaking in 
or five, sorry, almost forgot how to count. Wouldn't be the first time. My three wild cards, 11 and six, a game behind the Chargers, or two games behind them in the conference, but tied with them overall record, the Chiefs. So they still make it. My final two wild card teams, the Raiders at 10 and seven, and at 10 and seven, the seventh team to sneak in, the Ravens. That's my AFC. Thoughts? I have the other the other half of the standings too. I don't I won't really read them, but bottom of the standings at two and fifteen are the Texans. Yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting if if that prediction comes to fruition, like seeing the Raiders in the playoffs for it seems like the first time in, in forever. And I think that would just be like the cherry on top of of a tumultuous season, mm. which has many roadblocks and many hurdles and hoops to jump through. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's some multiverse out there or some universe out there with the Raiders like being a consistent winner. You have to see it though. Don't really need to see it. Uh, so that's my AFC. Any other thoughts before I move to the NFC? This one got uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, also just regarding the Ravens, right? Because a few years ago ended in heartbreak because Lamar Jackson, um, you know, it, it seemed like they were too reliant on the run, right? And, and Hollywood Brown, you know, he had his, his troubles, his rookie year, staying healthy. And then the next season didn't, ha- didn't have the breakout that we all envisioned. It kind of seems like this is the year where the Baltimore passing attack has figured it out. Right. And they have weapons um, and, and Bateman by that time, we might be talking about him as a, as a player that, you know, can, can take over at the receiving at, in, in the receiving game, as, as opposed to just yeah. like, Oh, he's this shiny new rookie that Baltimore can employ and, and find and be a, you know, a, a, a nice security blanket for Lamar Jackson. Right. So by playoff time, we might be, we might think of this Ravens passing attack as even more dangerous and potent than it already is. Mm-hmm. That was to me, the biggest thing is like the Ravens only a 10 and seven. Maybe it's because they had some tough matchups and like the seeing the Steelers at 11 and five and one, that seemed a bit too rich to me. So I wouldn't be surprised if that flip flops by the end of the season, as for the NFC, take a guess. Number one seed. The um, Buccaneers. It's not. And I was a little surprised by this too. Yeah. I actually have the Packers at 14 and three. Wow. Okay. Again, might be a little rich. I'm telling you, things got interesting at two. It's not the Bucks. Not the Bucks. Cowboys. Cowboys 13 and four. Yep. 13 and four. Although the Rams are here tied at 13 and four. So they could easily be the second seed as well. They just have them below the Cowboys probably due to the conference record, uh, which they have at nine and three. So Cowboys at two Rams at three at four, your bucks 12 and five, which then of course leaves the Cardinals who are the top uh, talk of the town right now, kind of pulling the Pittsburgh Steelers wow. going from That's crazy number one down to number five at 12 and five. At six, this was so interesting to me because I did not expect this team to be 10 and seven. I don't expect them to be 10 and seven, but here they are sitting at six. Who at the New Orleans Saints? And Hopefully Trevor Simeon will be will still be starting by then. Yeah, after what you said earlier, I don't see how he can't kind of spoke it into existence. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like his white knight from 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 now moving forward i guess <laughs> I, I just attached myself to his name now there you go and now it's seven this has been so funny because i don't know if you've been following the playoff picture but like no one really seems to have any idea who the seventh team in the playoffs could be for the nfc because it's kind of seems like it's locked in like the top at least five at least you know cardinals bucks rams cowboys packers and then six and seven has been flip-flopping between it's all so these teams man. exactly like you got the the Seahawks, Washington, Carolina was looking good. Minnesota, maybe Chicago. But no, at six or seven, the Niners at nine or ten at seven. Ten and seven sneaking in there. Crazy. What do you think about that? I think – wait, did, you didn't say the Rams, huh? No, yeah, yeah, they were there. They were uh, They were three tied with the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, they were, they were three. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's interesting. I just feel like the, like the NFC is so competitive every single year and puts the AFC to shame. Yeah. I did the NFC like normally, like I'd say the NFC is the five best teams in football right now. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and definitely has the best defenses for sure in the league. 
Mm-hmm. The AFC is such a toss-up. Like you could really see a team like like the Dolphins, like the Colts, like get hot. The Patriots are hot right now. The Bengals have been hot and cold. Uh, I don't yeah. really expect the Broncos to put it together. The Browns, like they looked good to start the season, but things are kind of falling apart. Jets, Jaguars, Texans seem to be pretty locked out. Broncos, same. As for the NFC, like that that those last few wild card spots are really open. But I think we can kind of rule out the Lions, the Giants. And maybe even the Falcons, I have them as 14th. So they, they would have a top six pick in this scenario. Top pick going to the Texans over all the Lions. They got three wins, three wins in my predictions. Yeah, it seems like the, the AFC, there's more potential for like a Cinderella run in the playoffs, which I guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about because you always, you always got to have like one underdog per postseason run to, to root for and NFC just kind of seems like a bunch of powerhouses, to be honest. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting playoffs. And with that, that is our show. If you loved what you heard today or you didn't let us know, let us know, leave a review, whatever platform you listen to follow us at ham analysis at Zach Cohen FB next week. We're still having an episode. Got to be thankful for that on a Thanksgiving edition. We'll uh, maybe we'll do some Thanksgiving, uh, themed segments try to secure a guest should be fun as always zach cohen of the draft network cool top of the double digest anything you would like to say to the wonderful people tuning in yeah no just thank you for listening and go catch some dubs this weekend without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.